welcome again to another episode of Budgeting Period, your podcast to help you get out of debt and reach your goals. And so today is going to be a little bit of a unique episode. I'm actually grabbing a conversation that I had as a guest appearance on another podcast called Money Talk. And I thought it was such a good conversation that I wanted to share it here. And so the host, Skylar Fleming, him and I talked about the balance that you need to have between saving and actually spending. Without further ado, here is our conversation, and I will have the episode linked where he was on my podcast here on Budgeting Period a little bit ago, also in the show notes for you to check out. Enjoy the episode. You know, we don't talk about money enough. It's a topic that gets ignored for some reason, even though it plays a role in everyone's day-to-day life. Well, this issue is what brought Money Talk with Skylar Fleming to reality. I know you're probably busy and don't have time to research and learn about all the things that go into personal finance, but that's where this podcast, Money Talk, comes into play. I'm your host, Skylar Fleming, and I'm here to do the research and learn all the extra stuff about personal finance for you. The goal is to simply get us talking about money. So let's get talking. Thank you everyone for tuning into today's episode. We have a great interview coming up right after this section, but first I'm going to introduce Kelly and she'll tell you how to pronounce her last name once we get into the interview, but I'm still not going to try because honestly I forgot, but Kelly's biography. She says that after paying off over 46,000 in 20 months, Kelly has made it her mission to show people her secret sauce. A budget doesn't have to be something that tells you no all the time, and you don't need that next big pay raise to pay off debt. So let's jump right into this interview and make sure you stay till the end to hear some information on how you can get a hold of her. But also, of course, all of her information is in the show notes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Money Talk. This one, we're having another guest on. It's been a while since we've had guests on, so I'm welcoming here with me, Kelly, whose last name I'm not sure how to pronounce. So hopefully she can help me with that. But would you go ahead and introduce yourself real quick, Kelly? Yeah, it's Kelly Showstrom. So there's a sneaky J in there, but um, Kelly Showstrom, and I'm a personal finance coach and just a um, financial literacy um, educator to help um, empower people to get out of debt and get on a budget. Awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, it sounds definitely like something I am interested in. It's a fun world to be in. I'm still not going to try to pronounce your last name, but we'll just... We'll just go for it with Kelly. Awesome. <laughs> Let's jump right into it. This episode's called The Balance Between Saving and Spending, which I think can be a fun conversation to have between you, the listener, and anyone else, whether it's a significant other or a coworker or a friend. It can be a really interesting conversation because a lot of people have a lot of different views on saving versus spending. So let's dive right into this. Um, what does saving to you really mean, Kelly? Like, what's its purpose of saving? So saving is just preparing, right? Saving is making sure that we have money set aside for um, a pretty specific cause, um, whether we're saving for retirement or we're saving for the vacation that we have coming up next year or even a birthday that we have next month. And so um, that kind of dabbles into sinking funds a little bit, which I'm sure we'll cover at some point because they're closely related. But Um, I think just saving is just being prepared and having a purpose for your money um, so that it's not all just piled up in our checking account and we think we're rich when in reality, that money kind of has a thousand different jobs that it has to do. Yeah, I like that you mentioned something there of it being specific. 
And I think that's something that a lot of people can fall into. And maybe there's a time in your life where stuff's changing really rapidly and being super specific with your savings isn't, I don't want to say not necessary, but maybe there's just a lot going on. So maybe you don't have to worry about it as much, but what are, what are the benefits do you think, like if you have a specific goal in mind for your savings? And then I think this will lead us into sinking funds really well, but why do you think people should be specific? So I think when we're specific about our savings, it also means that we're being intentional and in being intentional is something that's really, really big in our life. Um, you know, right. But even with our finances, we want to make sure that we're telling our money what to do and not the other way around. And so when we have a specific savings goal for maybe it, it might start off as vacation, but then it might turn into, um, Mexico 2024, um, we can make sure that we're we're doing the things that we set out to do that we find important in our life that is um we value and we don't end up using that money towards something else because maybe there was a sale at a big box store or we easily get distracted um when something else pops into our email and we end up buying something online right and mm-hmm. so when we're specific we can make sure that we're reaching our goals that um we know kind of a direction that we're going towards and we're also hitting the things that we value most Yeah. And I think, like you said, vacation is honestly the most, I would say popular thing for sinking funds. My wife and I do this a lot. We're saving towards going to Hawaii once she graduates from PA school next year in about a year and a half. And with that comes saving a good bit of money while she's also in school. So let's, let's talk about sinking funds for a second, because in my wife and I's experience, it's become super helpful for us because realistically while paying for her PA school, we can't save for Hawaii all in a couple months at the end of her right after she graduates. That just wouldn't be feasible. So we have to spread it out over a long period of time. But like you were saying, that specific target helps us make sure we're not spending that money elsewhere. What's your opinion on sinking funds or how do you think they can be useful? I am obsessed with sinking funds. And I feel like depending on who you are, I have clients that you know, they want their budget to be pretty high level. They want to make sure that, you know, they have their bills covered and then they have maybe five, maybe 10 categories total to cover everything else. Right. Um, and I'm on kind of the opposite end of the spectrum where I'm pretty sure. And my husband goes even further than I do. He could tell you how much we spent on toilet paper. Right. Um, but what is nice about a sinking fund in my eyes is it is really clarifying and you know exactly how much you need to save for that item and you don't have to worry about am I going to have enough? And so to back up a little bit for everyone that's maybe a little lost here, a sinking fund is just saving a little bit of money each month or over a period of time so that you can reach that big goal. And so an easy example is if you want to have $1,200 for Christmas, you start saving in January, that's a hundred bucks a month that you need to save to have that $1,200 by December, right? And so Skylar, for your um, Hawaii example, you probably, when you looked at how much money you need to go on that trip, you have plane tickets, you have hotels, you probably have some tourism type things and food and all that sort of stuff. And so when you add that together, I call them mini budgets because it's kind of a budget within our budget. Um, we kind of figure out that grand total of how much money we need. And then we just divide that by the amount of time that we um, need until we're going there. And that's how much you need per month. And so sinking funds make it very clear. You um, 
the uh, Hawaii is a great example for one too, because let's say you need to save $300 a month. And if you realize quickly that you can't save that 300 and you're maybe saving 200 or even 250, you're going to quickly be able to see, I'm not going to be able to afford that vacation that I wanted to versus if you just say, I'm going to save $3,000 and, you know, hope it kind of works out. Um, but then you can kind of negotiate with yourself. And so I think when you have sinking funds, when you make room in your life for sinking funds, you can get really, really clear and you can then start to determine what sinking funds um, have a little bit more flexibility in your life, maybe restaurants, going out to eat, um, alcohol, vacation, and which ones have a little bit less wiggle room, maybe home supplies or clothing or laundry stuff. Um, because, you know, even though it's a little bit flexible, it's going to happen whether we like it or not. Yeah. Thank you so much for explaining that. I have a, I have a lot of episodes, honestly, sinking funds are one of my wife and I's favorite tool to use. So I think I got in the place where I've talked about them so much that I assumed everyone knows them at this point. So thank you for explaining those. And I think like you said about Hawaii or just even any sort of like bigger savings goal, a sinking fund can help you work through the math that maybe tells you if it's realistic or not, which can, which can be, I would say a little disappointing if you get to the point where you realize it's not realistic, but like you were saying, it's better to get to that now so you can adjust and maybe make it realistic than when you're only a couple months away, you realize where's that money we were supposed to save. Now, now you're even more disappointed because it's right on the horizon. Exactly. And you don't want to find out that, you know, you didn't save enough because you got to Hawaii and you realize things are more expensive than what you thought maybe they were. Um, it's better to kind of figure that out on the front end. And same with when we're paying off our debt, you know, having a sinking fund and amount of money that we're saving every single month um, to eventually pay off the debt. Or um, I guess it's not entirely a sinking fund if we're spending that money every month, but that extra money that we're, we're putting aside in our budget. Um, but if you it, you quickly learn, like you said, whether you can afford it or not, when you make it a part of the plan. And so whether it's a sinking fund, whether it's a, another expense, you're going after a car payment or paying off debt, um, it, it makes it a little bit more real. And then you can adjust your life as needed. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That was a great, great overview of sinking funds. So now that people are like, Hey, let's set up sinking funds. I think that could be a useful tool for us. One of my favorite things that I like to preach on every episode is automation. Um, how can, how do you think that automating your savings helps you figure out and like maintain those sinking fund goals that you're trying to hit? Okay. So I'm so interested to see what you and your wife do with this. Um, but I'll tell you what we do right away, because I always love to find multiple strategies and tactics to tackle automating and that sort of thing, because, um, everything works a little bit differently for everyone. Right. And so what I do isn't necessarily going to work for you and vice versa, but what we do is, um, my husband and I fall in the wine app camp. And so you need a budget. If, if you've never heard of it, look it up. It's a budgeting tool. Um, but what it helps us do is keep all of our money into just one account. It's just in our checking. Of course, we have multiple accounts within that, but you don't have to. Um, and we just allocate money to different sinking funds within our budget. And we don't really have to physically move it around. So it doesn't have to go to a special vacation savings account or a special emergency fund checking account. Um, it just kind of all lives in one place, but it's very clear. There's no question about what each dollar is doing. And so, um, of course, there's a, there's a cost for YNAB. They don't pay me to talk about it, though. They're welcome to start doing that whenever they want. Um, <laughs> right. But... 
but it, it's, it's what works for us. And I honestly don't even pay for like 99 cent apps. And this is an app that I pay for. And so I think if you can find value and clarity in a financial tool, it's definitely um, worth the money. And that way we don't have to worry about if something big happens at the house and we need just a little bit of extra money in our checking account, transferring it out of savings into our checking account. We don't have to play that game because I don't know about you, but when I was paying off my debt, my student loan debt, um, I was to the penny because I wanted as much money as possible to be going towards my debt. So there wasn't a lot of wiggle room in my checking account. And when you play that game of not a lot of wiggle room, every transaction matters. And so when you have multiple accounts, it can get really complicated really quickly. And so that's why I just really love the YNAB method of having everything in one place, but having very clear buckets of how much money you have for each sinking fund. Yeah, I like that. I like that strategy because to me, having multiple, like if you had a bank account or a savings account for every single different sinking fund you wanted to try to have, that would be so intimidating so fast. Um, Oh, it's impossible. Yeah. There's no way you could manage it. And that's the great thing about the technologies that you're starting to talk about. There's all sorts of different things where you can maintain, like you were saying with YNAB, have different uh, budgets or envelopes, if that's how you want to refer to them or sinking funds. But my wife and I, we just use a spreadsheet. I'm a huge spreadsheet nerd. So everything for me is like this like wall of multiple spreadsheets. So pretty similar to YNAB, but more on a manual side of things, which is something that if you like doing spreadsheets, I would say go for it because um, it can be pretty fun if you're a huge nerd like me. But there's definitely a lot of great tech tools like Kelly was talking about with YNAB, or I'm sure there's many others out there. And like she was saying, things like this are worth paying for because they help you like take some of those simple things out of managing your money so that you can maybe focus on the bigger things like figuring out how you want to live your life or manage your money and things like that. But absolutely. And I actually start all my clients on a spreadsheet as well, because I don't think jumping into a fancy tool day one is um, going to work for anybody really, because when you're first starting out with this stuff and you're first creating your budget and getting your sinking funds ready and trying to figure out how much money you even have, um, introducing a tool and kind of that learning curve is sometimes a little complicated. So spreadsheets absolutely work. And it's a great way to, um, it's almost one thing that we, we miss out on in this, in this new digital society, right. Is, um, not having to hand over physical cash. And when we hand over physical cash, we actually feel the pain of that purchase. And it's it's worth it sometimes, groceries, restaurants, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes, you know, you're in the Target, sorry to pick on you, checkout line, and you're like, I just spent $100 and I don't, e- I didn't even come here for anything. Like what just happened? Um, and so we miss that when we don't have the cash and a spreadsheet, which is kind of like what you're using. If it's not automated, you feel that a little bit more, which is why I like clients using it in the beginning because they're entering in all their transactions. They're making sure that um, their categories are up to date because um, some of these fancy tools, when it's automated, you can step back a little bit mm-hmm. and um, you don't necessarily feel those transactions. Yeah, that's that's a great point to add to when it maybe gets a little too automated and you don't have the foundational habits in place, you just forget about it. And then you go right back to the habits that you had before. Um, one of the things that I have like a small coding background and I had set it up so that like those email notifications from credit cards about transactions would automatically put right into my spreadsheet. And I was like, yes, I never have to put another thing into my spreadsheet. But honestly, I found myself kind of missing putting it into the spreadsheet because then I was unaware of like what we were actually spending and such. So 
I like what you were saying, like start out maybe with something that's simple. You don't have to go for the whole tech package all at once. If you keep it simple and easy at first where you can just see what's going on, it can make it a little bit easier to get control over your finances. And I would add, if you're changing, moving emails over to spreadsheets, you have a more than small coding background. So kudos, <laughs> kudos to that, but you could do anything, even with the spreadsheet. If you have a fancy thing like that conditional formatting, where if it's automatically pulled in, it's a certain color and you have to manually change it to a different color as kind of your checkbox, your approval thing. And that's also what I love about YNAB is it pulls transactions in automatically, but I have to physically checkbox it and say, yep, this is correct. And so I don't have to worry about, um, um, my, the bill for my cell phone every single month that comes in and it's probably the same every single month, but even if it's off by a penny, YNAB is going to be like, Hey, this is different than every other time. Like what's going on. And so, um, a little bit of that checking in is important at every stage of the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Having a little bit of friction for yourself to just be aware yes. of that. And yeah, those little check-ins. And if you do have everything automated, like to a science and you're really on that good foundation, maybe just schedule a weekly check-in to look over it or send, set up your, some sort of like check-in reminder or plan would be my recommendation there. But let's get into a little bit to talk about now that we've talked about saving some money, using sinking funds to save for things. Let's talk about actually spending it so that we can get to the other side of that balance. How does um, creating a spending plan help manage things like impulse buying or like you said in the beginning, buying things that you truly value using your sinking funds. Yeah. And so I think, um, you know, spending plan budget, they're all the same thing. Some people budget is a trigger word. And so, you know, we like to switch it up every once in a while. But um, when you put all of your sinking funds, all of your spending categories in one place, you have a number assigned to each each item. So you know exactly how much per month you're spending on groceries, how much you're spending on restaurants, how much you're spending on toilet paper or roll it up to personal hygiene if you want. Um, but when you have all of that listed in one place, you're able to compare it to your income and you're able to gauge realistically, is this affordable or not? And so then you can look at, then you can look at, okay, if this isn't affordable, because maybe I'm trying to be really bougie for my trip to Hawaii next year, and I don't have enough money to save for all this stuff, then something's got to go. And so that's where you can make sure your priorities are in line and your values are in place. And so you can really look, you and your partner, yourself, if you're managing your money by yourself, um, can have those deep conversations to say, what's really important to me? What do I want to accomplish this year? What are some goals that I have? And so when you apply... When you figure out what's important to you and you can kind of rank it, then you can find easy categories that are at the bottom of the list to say, well, if I need to pull money, it's going to come from these places. And um, it, it just makes organization um, a little bit better. And, you know, it's it's really important that we still have spending in there. So even if you're in an aggressive payoff debt plant phase or an aggressive um, I guess buying a new house is still sa saving, but you know, something, if you have a very big ambitious goal in mind, you still want to make sure you build little milestones along the way to celebrate progress that you're having. Um, so that you don't get, you know, just bogged down by the, every penny has to go towards debt. And I can't have, I can't have any fun and I make good money, but I can't even enjoy it. And, um, that's no fun either. So make sure in every budget, um, my husband and I, I included, we have a his and her spending um, category. Um, mine is called Kelly does what she wants. And his is called the Derek's no fun fund um, because we spend money on very different things, but we make sure we allocate in our budget money to spend on whatever we want. It's not 
a huge percentage of our income, right? Because we have other priorities in check, but it's enough to give us some wiggle room. Yeah. My wife and I do something like the exact same thing that you're doing. I need to come up with clever names though. Like what you just had, my wife and I is just our names that we need to pick. And <laughs> it is interesting because my wife will tend to spend things in smaller doses, but things that help her like keep doing her hobbies. And then I'll save up mine for like four or five months and then spend it all at once. So it looks like I spend these massive chunks of money, but also the nice thing is, is we've given each other that amount of money. So there's no pressure or guilt or anything that comes with me spending a few hundred dollars or whatever, while she only spends maybe 10 or 15 here. Cause that can look a lot different and feel a lot different in the moment. But because we have that plan in place, it helps us like not feel the guilt of spending there. I really Absolutely. like that. And resentment is huge in relationships. And um, so I heard a really interesting quote from somebody recently. It's um, money isn't the biggest cause of divorce. It's the lack of communication around money is the largest mm-hmm. cause of divorce. And so whether, you know, we can, we can decide to split up our money a million different ways, right? You and your partner can be 50, 50, you can do all in one, you can do a percentage of your income, whatever you want to do. Um, just make sure that nobody is going to be resentful and no one is, um, unsure of the plan. Everybody should know exactly how much money is going towards what items, why you have this much money. And I have this much money. It could be the same. It could be based off of our income, but we just really want to be on the same page. Because like you said, when my husband buys a video game that I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this is the biggest waste of money I've ever seen. There's zero resentment there. Cause I'm like, Matt, he's using the same, like the money that he gets every month and he saves it up. And that's what he's deciding to buy it on. Um, I really honestly don't care. But if it was coming out of, you know, we worked a little extra that month and we had some bonus money and he bought a video game that might be an entirely different conversation. Yeah, it just feels different because you're intentionally doing something with your money. I love that. That's a great tip for really anybody trying to balance spending in a relationship is to be intentional with who's spending what. Um, one of the things that you mentioned, you, yeah, you mentioned a whole lot when you were talking about spending. So I want to, I want to come back to a couple things. You mentioned, uh, tracking your expenses and then comparing it to your income, I believe. Um, what's the importance of tracking your income and expenses? Cause for me, when I think about people, like if you don't track your income expenses, my first question is how do you know, like if you're actually saving or spending, because it's very easy to say, Oh, I want to save for big goal down the future. But if you're not tracking anything, how do you actually know if you're saving or spending? What's the importance of that in your mind? Oh, I was asked recently what my soapbox item is, and this is it, right? I could go on for days about this, about the difference between budgeting versus tracking your spending. And people, we won't talk about it today because there's not enough time, but they are two very, very, very completely different things. Your budget is your future. It is your plan. It is what you want to do. It is your aspiration for your money. And then the tracking is just, how am I doing along the way? How, what progress am I making towards my goals? Am I even following this plan that I created in the first place? And so tracking your spending tells you, does my husband only spending X amount of money on random stuff that I think is a waste, but, um, or is he spending more? Or we said we were only going to spend $500 on groceries this month. And we're already spending, we're already at 700 and the month is only halfway over. Um, because, 
when you spend more than what you you budgeted for, when your tracking is becoming higher than what you budgeted for, what you allocated for that category, you're now pulling money from other places. But the problem is, is people don't actually pull the money from other places. This is how we go into debt because we are saying we're, we're going to follow this plan and it equals the amount of money that we make every month and it's going to be great. But every dollar, every five that you go over in all of those categories, that money has to come from somewhere. And if we're not making more money, we're going into debt, right? And so when you compare your plan to your income, it should be a balanced budget, zero-based budget. You can Google that as well. I'm sure you talk about it before. Mm -hmm. Um, But you just want to make sure your your income equals your expenses. That's the plan that I follow religiously. And then tracking your spending ensures that you're actually following that plan because any penny that you spend over what you actually made, you're going into debt technically. And that's going to be in the form of credit cards or you didn't pay one of your bills on time. And um, that's how things can spiral and get out of control really quickly. Yeah. I've honestly said before that I think tracking your expenses may be more important than budgeting right out the gate. Because if you don't actually know where your money's going, it's going to make it really hard to give yourself accurate numbers of what you can budget for. Because maybe you can't afford a certain amount of money towards something every month. But if you don't know that, or maybe you're setting too restrictive of a budget but you don't know that because you're not tracking your spending currently. And there's a ton of free tools as well out there where you can just connect your bank account or even most credit unions and bank accounts have tools built in now where it will like categorize things for you. So just take a look at those. I think is a great first step to getting started with budgeting and finding that balance between saving and spending. But I want to maybe let's end on a note talking about letting people spend. Let's talk about what what are your some of your thoughts about the importance of spending while you're on some sort of a focused plan, whether it's a really focused savings plan or a really focused debt payoff plan. Why is it important for people to maybe still spend some money? I think spending is that motivation piece. It keeps you going. It it um, allows you to make progress. Like this is a marathon, not a sprint, right? And so for some people, it took me 20 months to pay off $46,000, um, single person back then. And um, while 20 months can seem short looking back on it, 20 months of continuously saying no to myself and setting money aside can be a really long time. And I relatively didn't have as much debt as most of the people that I talked to today. And those people are in two, three, four, five plus years plans. And when you're on, when you're working anything that long-term, whether you're trying to pay off your house or pay off student loans or trying to get out of credit card debt, um, you need to stay motivated. And so ensuring that you are building into your plan, your budget, um, ways that you can do things that you love most, whether it's just a little bit of money to get ice cream on Friday nights in the summer or um, some money set aside for maybe a long weekend to the coast um, a couple of times a year. Whatever you love to do, this is part of the beginning where we have to do a little bit of reflection and think about what are our goals, our values, our dreams. Um, and then while we not be while we while we might not be able to do those items full force during some of these really strict times. Um, we can do many versions of them. Um, one of the, when I was paying off debt, one of my milestones was, um, Derek had to take me to dinner. And of course I didn't approve this with him. I just, one of the things that I said, he had to take me to dinner and I was going to order whatever I wanted. Um, and I was, and it was going to include an appetizer. And so it's those simple little things where when you're paying an extra thousand dollars a month on debt, I was at some points of my journey, um, going to a restaurant and ordering an appetizer and getting drinks and ordering whatever I wanted on the menu was fun. Right. And so, um, and everyone's different. Some people it's going to be clothing and, um, 
this is where you have to kind of decide. And so making sure that you build in little milestones to spend along the way um, so that you can actually go the distance um, is going to be really important. Awesome. I, I love that. that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And giving yourself the freedom to spend that money because ultimately in the end, if I would say, honestly, if it adds, if it adds maybe one more month of saving or paying down debt or something to the end of your plan, it's probably going to be way more worth it than if you just tried to struggle through that whole time without giving yourself any sort of balance. So yeah, that was a, that was a great example. So make sure you're finding a balance between saving and spending or paying off debt because it's important to both be saving and it's important to both be spending. There is a balance between it. And I hope this conversation about that topic has helped maybe open some new ideas or thoughts in your mind. And if you have any questions or comments, you can of course reach out to me. I'm sure I'll leave uh, Kelly's information in the show notes, but yeah, it was a fantastic episode. So thanks for coming on, Kelly. Did you have anything that you wanted to add or any ways that people can reach you? Yeah, thanks for chatting. I think that you and I hit it off really well with the the love of sinking funds and tracking our spending. And um, I think what's important for people to note is we probably weren't always this way. Um, but once you get into it and once you get kind of good at it and you see that you can make a positive change with your money, it becomes a lot easier. And so stick with it. Um, and don't give up and make sure you're spending along the way. And you can find me at, um, at Kelly Showstrom. That's K E L L Y S J O S T R O M. Um, I'm on Instagram is probably where you'll see me the most and Kelly Um, there's a whole freebie library where you can sign up once and get, and get all my free tools. One of them is a 90 day expense tracker to help you figure out how, um, where all your money is actually going, which is a fun tool that Skylar and I kind of talked about earlier. And so check that out. But, um, yeah, otherwise, thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Yeah, that was fantastic. So I'll make sure the links to everything she just said are in the show notes. So if you didn't write it down fast enough, you can find it there, but yeah, thank you, Kelly, for coming on. It was a fantastic conversation about saving and spending. And of course the best thing sinking funds. So we will catch you all in the next episode. And thank you for coming on, Kelly. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Money Talk with Skylar Fleming. Wasn't that a great interview with Kelly? Be sure to find her information in the show notes so that you can reach out to her if you want to ask her any questions or get connected with her on social media. But I hope that you can now have a good money talk about the balance between saving and spending. And if you have any questions, you know where to find my email. Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Skylar Fleming. I'm your host, Skylar Fleming. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Money Talk. The Money Talk show is provided for informational and entertainment purposes and should not be used for personal or specific financial advice. Every situation is unique and different. Please make sure to do your own research for your personal financial situation.